right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of RCST brought to you by T-Mobile with amazing deals for everyone at any of the Lawrence locations. Don't choose between value or coverage. Get both with T-Mobile and we will have Rustin Dodd joining the show in about 20 minutes from right now. We've got Around the World with Adam. We've got five matchups of RCST Trivia. And we've got Benny Failhaber, the head coach of Sporting KC2, coming up in I've, uh, the 5 o'clock hour. I've got a couple random retail connections to the family of Rustin Dodd. Um, through college, I uh, hauled furniture for a furniture store down in Gardner. And uh, his dad was uh, one of, I can't remember if it was for carpet or for uh, furniture. However, his dad was our sale, was our store sales rep uh, from a, a company. So he would basically be in charge of selling uh, the product to our store. And then we'd continue to sell it on to the customer. So I knew him from there. And then uh, I once sold his sister uh, a bottle of wine. when I, mm. I also, in college, worked at a liquor store. And... Um, Checked her ID and uh, saw the name Dodd, and I said, "You." And this was back when Rustin was covering. Uh, he was on the KU beat, and I said, "Are you by chance any relation to Rustin's?" He said, "Yeah, that's my brother." So, I've uh, sold and bought from uh, some uh, familiar from family members of of one Rustin Dodd. So, well, now that you've committed furniture HIPAA uh, furniture yeah. HIPAA violations, um, which are very serious. He was the seller, though. You can. It's like talking yeah. about a doctor in that situation. I just joke. I committed nobody, al- nobody I committed alcohol yeah. alcohol HIPAA because I was talking about the customer in that sense. Uh, by the way, the blueprint is out. Uh, all episodes one through four. They're very easy to watch. They're all like six to seven minutes. So I just powered through all of them back to back to back to back. Um, good stuff. We had Micah Brown on yesterday. You can check that out on the podcast. And like I said, they're not like it's not hard knocks or it's not miles to go, but it's not hard knocks in terms of. Um, being this long episode and you're you're getting to know all these players, it's more of just a, I don't know, it's kind of like a highlight video put together with some words and and you see a couple behind the scenes things. So it's cool. I'd recommend checking it out. A couple things that I wrote down for notes of it. Um, and again, just watch it yourself. But uh, first of all, there is a really good relationship it seems like between Jason Bean and Jalen Daniels, which that's going to be really important um, given the fact that. Jalen Daniels ends up being the starter. Like, what does that mean for Jason Bean? Is there a package for him? Do they move him positions? Does he transfer away? If you have a good relationship there, I think that enhances the chance that he would stick around. And We don't want a Tanya Harding situation. Well, no, definitely don't want that. Um, uh, but also, like, with a guy of Jason Bean's speed, you can find a way to get that guy in the field. And, oh, and I agree impact. completely. Um, is it, this is an imperfect comparison, uh, but when Todd Reesing was the def- the definitive starter – for Kansas, um, Kerry Meyer got moved and, and put. He was kind of a hybrid wide receiver, tight end. Um, but Jason Bean and look, Kerry Meyer was a very good. I think he even actually spent some time. He made was he drafted by the Falcons or did he just spend some time with them? 
Uh, I I can never I remember. I feel like he was like a fifth least, or sixth round draft pick. Maybe that might be confused with Desmond Briscoe, but I I don't know. Regardless, it, yeah. Kerry was a, a he got a he got a cup of coffee at least in the NFL and was a very good um, college football player. But he, Bean's athleticism for anybody who has watched him knows goes far beyond. You know anybody who plays D one football is a very good athlete. Bean, I like to say. For certain guys, they're freaks among freaks. Yeah, Jason Bean is an incredible athlete. Yeah, I mean one of the fastest guys on even, the team. Yeah, That's um, what's crazy. even among Big Twelve athletes, he's a crazy great athlete. Uh, another thing that I noted, Kenny Logan. You can just tell he is really. I mean, I mean he assumed this maybe ever since he got on campus, but definitely last year as well, and seems to be only growing in that and adding to that with his role as kind of a leader on the team. And by the way, real quick, uh, one thing I also wanted to mention with the Jalen Daniels because it's just crossed my mind uh one of the plays like to show you the relationship there you see a play where Jalen Daniels in practice is like all pumped up and he's holding a clipboard so clearly he wasn't in the play uh, somebody else was throwing it assuming Jason being like I don't know it, it just seems like they've got a, a really good nucleus of, of guys um the other thing that I just found of interest was I think this is an episode two Chris Borland who's the defensive coordinator makes mention that you know quite frankly last year they had some guys who played who probably shouldn't have played because they weren't physically ready to play. Um, and mm. that's not a surprise because they took over a program late into the game and they didn't have the, again, like we talked about this, that they didn't have required Yeah, Light Lightbold right? was on the record as saying he was kind of surprised when he got there that, that they hadn't, uh, they didn't have required summer strength and conditioning, which is, it explains a heck of a lot, but um, it's good to see now that they do. Yep, so uh, you can check those out. They're on YouTube, and I think they're on the KU Athletics page. And again, check out that interview yesterday in our podcast with Micah Brown, who directed it. I'm very interested in, in this, I, I, and I, I haven't had a chance to watch this. Maybe it will touch on that, or maybe it doesn't. You can tell me if it does. Um, but one thing that I'll be interested in all summer and going into camp and going into the season, because we talked a lot about the offensive line over this past over last season, last fall. And one thing that I said uh, to probably an annoying de degree to a lot of our listeners, because I said it so much, was that the only thing you're going to get the offensive line to improve on in season is technique. And that is important because Lance Leipold, and it was talked about by, by us, it was talked about by um, broadcasters during the games, they have a unique blocking uh, system, yeah. I guess, what Lance Leipold runs. So it's important that and that you could tell the whole team, including the line, got better from week one till the end. But the point I was trying to make was that they're going to get better in technique throughout the course of the season, but they're not going to get stronger over the course of the season. The best you can hope during the course of the season is maintaining because you burn so many calories and like and, and so much of it about it is prepping for game. You you build strength um in the offseason. So as mu as great as the as the offensive line was at uh, getting better learning technique over the course of last season, basically December till now or, or whenever they started, I don't know if they had time off in December. Whenever they started strength and conditioning through spring brawl and then now in uh, summer SNC, that's when you build strength. And I'm very that's where I'm really excited to see um, what kind of work the strength and conditioning how much that paid off is, yeah. is in the line. That could be a huge growth just from last year to this year. And I think you see it when you had a team that 
did struggle with run blocking early in the season and a team that struggled with run defense. Like Those are things that would make sense for that. So uh, anyway, uh, the NFL draft is tonight. The Chiefs have two first-round picks, picks 29 and pick 30. I've officially planted my flag in the ground. Um, I am officially— Duke is going to win the national championship. No. Oh. No, I did make that mistake, but I'm also— I'm glad you made it. Also, part of me was saying that because I was trying to jinx it, so Works. you know it hey, is what it is. I, um, get this guy a ring. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I'm you already have no, two. I, you already I have two. No, I don't deserve were, any of them. You, I don't those volleyball any. rings you took yeah. right off my and fingers, I Derek. Them. I don't deserve them. Um, so I'm officially on team stand pat or trade down. Um, as if, far as what you think will happen or what you want to happen. Want to happen. Okay. Um, the only way I'm good with trading up is for, we had Josh Briscoe on yesterday, and he mentioned, you know, if you trade up to get a, a, an edge rusher, I think it makes some sense. I can get on board with that. Because if you're if you're trading up for an edge rusher, hypothetically, it's to be a guy who can start right away yeah. and be maybe your best pass rusher. Like, quite honestly, maybe not over Chris Jones, but again, he hasn't had any sacks in the postseason, although he has been a, a great regular season player in terms of racking up those sacks. So if you trade up for a pass rusher, I'm cool with it. But I am very much on board, and this is something else you've talked about that how much really is the difference between, you know, receiver one and receiver five? I don't know that it's all that much. So if you're going to trade up, don't trade up for a receiver. Trade up for a pass rusher. Yeah. If you do want the receiver, um, either stay pat or trade down. And honestly, I'm starting to even phase back to that comment more of the, the whole of you have a lot of defensive holes on this team. Take defensive guys at that point, and there have been so many good receivers in recent drafts that have gone in the second or third round. Pile up on a couple receivers there. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I believe, and and every you know you're you're going to find exceptions. We brought up Julio Jones. Mm -hmm. I the the Lions never traded up for Calvin Johnson, but they used a very high pick on Calvin right. Johnson. But um, there's not one of those guys in this draft. I though. agree, and also I believe in general. There are always going in any given year. You might be able to find an exception because there is going to be just a crazy great person at a at a position. But in general, I think you trade up, especially if you're trading up high. If you're trading up from where the Chiefs are to like top fifteen, I think there are two positions you do that for: one, a franchise quarterback, or two, um, a franchise edge rusher. You could convince me a left tackle, yeah, um, but certainly those first two. Obviously, the Chiefs aren't trading up for a quarterback, um, and yeah, I would agree. Now, look, if, if they they'll they'll really be tipping their hand to the rest of the league if they draft if they trade up for for a, a tackle, because what they're going to be saying is we can't get anything done right now with Orlando Brown, right? Which means whatever you trade him, for, either you keep him for another year and you let him walk, or uh, which means you let, you wasted a lot of draft capital to let yeah. a guy walk, or you spin him for some more picks. The problem is you're going to spin him for very low picks because your hand is going to be shown. Right. If you trade up for a tackle. Yeah. I. So I. I'm very much on board. We've talked about this before that if the Chiefs do take a tackle, like that can actually be a good strategy because a you could even start him at right tackle for a year and then move yep. him over and let go of Orlando Brown and not have to pay the big money for him and use that money to I don't know whatever go and, get and a pass rusher next year or and then but, ideally if you get it right you'll probably be paying that tackle in five years yeah exactly but you get a bunch of rookie contract years with him but I do think I, I don't know if, uh, how you would feel on this I'm okay with that if you're just like standing pat or if you're that's your second round pick or one of your late first round picks 
I'm not at a point where if you're going to use the resources to trade up, that that should be what you do. He would have to be so good. He'd have to be yeah. Willie Rofe good. Right. Like he would, and uh, yeah, and if because if, at that point, if what, you what you said about Orlando Brown, now you would be adding on the more, like essentially even more assets to trade up. Like that yeah, exactly. would be of how you for the same the tackle, position right? exactly. Um, yeah, if you are going to trade up, as the two things, if you're the Chiefs, if you're going to trade up for a tackle, two things. One, you um, you better be, you better think he can be. Better than Eric Fisher, even because they didn't trade up for Eric Fisher. They were terrible and got the first overall pick and took Eric Fisher. But you better one, you better think that that dude could be Trent Johnson good, and two, you better be right. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, with with edge rushers, um, I I think it's clear the Chiefs need them, um, and I I think it's it's uh, you know I, I think if they were comfortable. With edge rushers, I, I think if they felt comfortable in that position, they wouldn't have. Um, they they would have just let um, uh, Frank Clark walk. I think it's clear they're not comfortable at that position. Um, and the days of getting, you know, so many great edge rushers come. So many great, whether it's an edge rusher or a linebacker, so many great rushers of the quarterback come early in the first, go early in the first round. And the days of a guy like Justin Houston falling because he got stoned. A month before the, right. the, the the combine, those days are gone. He wouldn't in in today's world. He'll be a first, it, it, right? He'd be a top fifteen pick because yeah. he was a top twenty. He was a top fifteen ish pick then, and he fell to the third round because he he got popped for weed on his um on his pee test on on the combine day. In today's world, that guy doesn't get past the first fifteen because nobody cares. Yeah. Um. So even even a lot of the exceptions you can find probably wouldn't be exceptions anymore so yeah i would agree there's basically one i could be talked into um i, I could be talked into a tackle if they trade up for a tackle but in you know in 2026 we better look, be looking at that left tackle and going whoa two things one yeah. he better be playing left tackle and two we better be looking at him going i don't care what they gave up on him he's amazing um Either that or they trade up for an edge rusher. Yeah, which is, yeah. And, and so those for, are the only two scenarios I would want them. Really, the only one scenario is an edge rusher. Mine is edge or if one of the corners falls, like one of the good corners, and you're able to get them at like 8 to 12 or 14 or something, then, then I'm cool with that. As far as guys that I'm kind of looking for, um, obviously, if they do trade up, um, then maybe you are looking at you know a guy like Jermaine Johnson or one of those players. But if they stay put, um, I think you have a lot of options there. They could go corner, safety, Andrew Booth, Kair Elam, Daxton Hill, Lewis Sign. Those are all guys who, uh, you know, not all of them will be available there, but maybe a couple of them will. You could get one of those receivers with like George Pickens or Jahan Dotson or maybe a Traylon Burks Falls or maybe you uh, get a Christian Watson or Sky Moore in the second round. There's edge guys with Boy Mafe or Arnold Abikidi maybe or David Ajabo if you uh, go with kind of the injury risk. maybe Is Ajabo the kid who snapped his Achilles? Yeah. Um, George Karloftis is kind of this like high floor. When I say low ceiling, I don't mean that he's not going to be a good player, but like more of like your, yeah, he might get eight to ten sacks. He's not going to be a guy who gets you like 15 sacks in a given season type guy, but just a consistent player. They might have to trade up to like the low 20s, but that's a much less – um, severe penalty to pay for of going up. What about this one too? We we talked a little bit about like you know with the offensive tackles like trading for a guy who um, essentially would be the replacement for a guy in a year or two. 
I mean, I don't think it's a guarantee that Chris Jones is on this roster in two years. There's a guy named Logan Hall who is a six foot six interior pass rusher. Does that not sound familiar? Yeah, he's not the kid from UConn, is no, he? No, Houston. Who's the kid from UConn that plays that same position? Um, he'll he'll go way late. He'll he'll know. go. He's the second rounder. The kid okay. I'm thinking of. Um, I don't um I don't know much about him. The only guy I really know a lot about uh, from Houston, and I even forgot his name, but I've got it written down here. Give me a moment. Marcus Jones, mm-hmm. who corner. would be who would be about a late second, early third cornerback. Yep. Uh, he's the only guy from Houston that I know of off the top of my head. All right, he's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll recap whatever happens with the draft coming up on tomorrow's show. Rustin Dodd of The Athletic joins us next. This is RCST. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Joined now by a special guest, that would be Rustin Dodd of The Athletic, who uh, just wrote that really good piece on KU football and um, with Jim Harbaugh, kind of the, the spinoff of, of not hiring him and the uh, kind of... I guess repercussions of that from then forward, and we talked a little about the story. I didn't want to give away too much because you should go subscribe to the Athletic because they do great work, like what Rustin just did. So, uh, Rustin, I what I found most interesting about the story is I don't know maybe like a theme of like strong arming or from a person of power just you know being maybe a little too stubborn, and how in a lot of these cases one person individually held a huge part in a lot of the cause here, whether it was, you know, Lou Perkins eager to kind of find his guy at head coach or the chancellor's office, not allowing for proper funds to be spent or Jeff Long wanting to be his own show and and hiring a guy like Les Miles. It's just, it's crazy to me as reading through this story, how just one person in power had such a big effect on everything that happened. Right, yeah, exactly. Or, you know, you could even look at it from a slightly different way, just that, you know, no football program kind of goes through the decade that Kansas just went through, you know, by one or two mistakes. You know, it has to be sort of compounding errors. And oftentimes, uh, you know, when you try to make up for something, then maybe you dig a little bit deeper hole. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's there's there's been a number of, uh, you know, decisions or just the certain, um, you know, moves here or there that have, uh, you know, kind of compounded on themselves. Yeah, and going back to the Jim Harbaugh part, I, I think that, you know, the the story had been out there a little bit, like kind of the rumor of, yeah, Jim Harbaugh would have came here and, and, you know, the bowl game. But I never realized that one of the other things that went into that decision was, or the decision not to bring on Jim Harbaugh from Lou Perkins was because he was worried that Harbaugh was was up front in the interview about if there was NFL interest or if there was interest from Michigan, he wasn't going to avoid going into one of those positions. And I can't help but think the, I don't know, the the pride or the, the lack of self-awareness of being in a situation where, hey, dude, you're at Kansas. If, if you have a coach who is getting another job at Michigan or is getting a job at the NFL for the job that he did with your school, like how could that not be seen as a good thing of where the program would be? No, I mean, that, that's right. I mean, so, yeah, you are correct. I mean, the the Jim Harbaugh, obviously his 
you know, his interviews and uh, his, him speaking with Kansas when they hired Turner Gill in late 2009 before the 2010 season. Obviously, that's that's not, a, you know, news necessarily. Um, but, you know, we were kind of doing this series on, you know, football programs uh, throughout the country and kind of what's happened to, you know, what's happened to Kansas, what's happened to Illinois, what's happened to X, you know, program. And so we did kind of want to look back at just some of the various coaching searches and moves and try to see if, you know, if sort of they revealed anything. And I think it was, you know, it, it's fascinating to think about where Kansas was, where, you know, Jim Harbaugh was not, you know, the Jim Harbaugh we know today, I guess you should say, or we should say, you know, he had had, um, you know, a really good run at San, uh, San Diego uh, and then had gone to Stanford and uh, had turned that program around. But they who they were coming off, I think they were had been 8-5 and five in 2009 and they were going to a bowl game. Uh, you know, the next year they went to uh, a BCS Bowl and then were, you know, went on to um, – uh, he went, obviously went on in the NFL. Uh, but, you know, at the time, though, he was, you know, one of the up-and-comers, and he obviously had the, the family connections to this area. And I think he was looking for kind of a move, maybe potentially a, a, a higher paycheck, you know, all the reasons you look for a new job. But he was, by all accounts, and, and obviously we have Jim Harbaugh has never really spoken on this too much publicly. I think the one quote he gave uh, – to uh, maybe CBS Sports maybe a few years ago, I think he said something like, oh, you know, it was close. <laughs> and I think that's about all he's ever said publicly about it. Um, but, you know, they Kansas, it, it's fascinating to think where they were at that point that they could, you know, potentially land a guy like that. Yeah, do you think if, if you asked Jim Harbaugh now, not as much about the, you know, would he have taken the job back then, but do you think if you would ask him in a, in a frame of um, – do you feel like you avoided a mistake or maybe he views it as if I would have gone there then in this alternate universe that KU is in better shape. Uh, Do you have any sense over what do you think he would feel about that? I mean, it's hard for me to say I I've, I've never talked to Jim Harbaugh and I've never interviewed him even in like a group setting. Uh, like you know in a press conference or anything like that so i don't i don't know that i feel like i could really say how jim harbaugh would feel about it i i I do think that you know just speaking more generally i do think coaches tend to think they're pretty confident in their abilities and i think if you you see jim harbaugh from afar he seems like the kind of guy who would be confident in his abilities so if he was thinking back well if i would have gone to kansas state you know they wouldn't have you know, fallen so quickly like like it did, um, and so I mean that's that's one way to look at it. But I I don't I don't feel confident saying one way or the other how he would think about it because I I just don't know. We're talking with Rustin Dodd of the Athletic here on Rock Truck Sports Talk. I, I'm curious as you guys were doing the research for this or reaching out, talking with coaches, conducting interviews with players, coaches, whatever sources. Um, did it seem like the Charlie Weiss era produced the most stories and anecdotes? Because, boy, are there some doozies in that story. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think um, that um, that was – I think that maybe seems like that from a, from a couple of different ways, right? I think that, um, you know, Turner Gill, David Beatty, um, you know, Les Miles, I think – there were, you know, is a little bit different. But when, when you think about Turner Gill and David Beatty, 
you know, those guys are, uh, they weren't successful at Kansas, um, but I think they, they fit more or less with the culture of what you think a Kansas football coach would be, you know, right. Um, I guess to put it one way, you know, David Beatty had been an assistant at Kansas. He understood the school, you know, Turner Gill, um, had been at Nebraska. He knows this, you know, area and the big 12, uh, I guess you would say, whereas I, I think there were culturally some kind of differences with Charlie Weiss coming in here, especially where he was at his career. I mean, he'd, has had a really successful coaching career and did not get to, you know, where he is because, you know, just because he can talk well or he's got like some, you know, some bluster about him or whatever. Like he, he knows football and he's a good coach. And, you know, the, the people we spoke to, um, you know, talked about that first year that Charlie Weiss was there, which I, this may, you know, surprise people to hear, but that they really did some good things in turning the program around and kind of offering some discipline and, uh, getting things kind of cleaned up and just really kind of, you know, running things like you you would want to run a, a college football program. But I do think that just because of where he was in his career and the things he'd done to that point, I don't think that he was, um, you know, in a position to where he was going to want to grind year after year after year to turn around a program like Kansas. And I think once he went for more or less kind of a quick turnaround fix, and it didn't necessarily bear the fruit. I don't think, you know, I don't think he was in it for the long haul after that. And that's mostly what people who are, are around his staff will, will tell you. And I think, um, you know, you know, the other thing, like, I just, I just think that, um, you know, once, once that didn't happen, I don't, I don't think he was the kind of guy that was going to kind of just lock in and grind. I know this is probably an impossible ta- task, and you know it's it's not one that actually means anything. But if you had to, um, I guess, pick who was the best coach of that kind of in between Mark Mangino and and what they have now with Lance Leipold, so I guess from Gill on to Miles, uh, who would stick out to you? You know, it's almost it is hard to say because I there are so many things that go into a job like that, whether it's recruiting or. Uh, you know, managing a staff or hiring the right assistants or just, you know, so many decisions that you make, um, you know, like you can, you can maybe be the best coach in the world at one school, go to a new school, hire, you know, four or five new assistant coaches because your staff turns over and you need new guys and you don't make, you know, and it's in the two or three assistant coaches that you hire that aren't you know, the right fit or they don't, you know, produce like you, you think they were going to, and that, and that can be something that can blow up a, a program. So it's like, it's really hard to just quantify like, you know, but if you're just talking about, I guess, just, you know, results, you know, I, I do think that, um, you know, David Beatty, um, it, it was trying to do it maybe the right way, I guess you would say, um, and kind of thinking over the long haul. Um, now he, I think he made, some some roster miscalculations as well but um you know if you look at his last season at kansas uh after you know when there was a new ad but it was clear that he was likely going to be fired uh, you know that team I, maybe one of the best kansas teams uh uh of that decade i guess i know it's a low bar it's kind of funny to phrase it that way but uh but yeah i i guess maybe i would would say david Beatty, but i don't know i i don't know i honestly don't feel uh you know, super educated enough to know the the ins and outs of who, you know, and, and nobody, I guess, found the right, you know, recipe to really 
uh, you know, make the big leap that you you often see with uh, with programs. You know, I always I always think about Mark Mangino. You know, it wasn't smooth sailing for him when he was at Kansas. You know, every single year, you know, they went to the bowl games, but there were some steps back, and um, you know, there were some years where it felt like you know maybe they underachieved, uh, kind of in the mid two thousands. But the one thing about him was that you could see it materialize so fast. You know, they they were were awful his first year at Kansas and then in year two they made a big leap. And you could and usually when that happens, you can say, Okay, this is a coach who can maximize what he has and it you know, it took him a year to kinda of get the roster in shape, but like that, you know, that you can see it. And I, I think you could see it a little bit and granted I don't follow Kansas football as closely as some and the job I have now, but uh you could see it in year one I think with Lance Leipold as well. You could just see little things. And now I think, you know, year two, year three, that's when you got to wait for that big leap. You know, can they get to four or five wins and uh, and be competitive against, you know, the schools that they're going to need to be competitive against, the K-States, the Iowa States, et cetera. So um, we'll see. But um, I think that's, that's when you look at what Mark Mangino did, I think that's, and you look at the potential template into the future, that's what I, I kind of look at. We're talking with Russ and Dodd for a few more minutes here. Um, so overall, what was the craziest part about building this story for you? Well, I mean, so I, you know, I don't even know if we've mentioned him, but I, I did this with uh, a colleague of mine, Jason Jinks. Yeah. Uh, we have, it was a tube byline story. Um, and so, you know, he talked to a lot of people. I talked to a lot of people um, that had been. And so I, I think it was, you know, I, I'll say this too, you know, it's, we're not the first person to, you know, write a story about, uh, you know, how, you know, poorly Kansas football has done over the last decade, you know, and, and it's not a, the most original story in the world either. And uh, I'll be the first one to, to admit that. I think what we were really trying to do was um, basically trying to tell Kansas football fans stuff that they may have suspected or thought about, or but just didn't know. You know what? What can we reveal about the last uh, ten years? And um, and what you know? Is there anything to be learned from what's happened as you go into the future? Um, so I think you know there were you know a lot of um, stories. You know there was a, a, an anecdote in the story. Um, you know that when Charlie Weiss was at Kansas, uh, he had. Uh, been caught kind of caught maybe not the right word but he had fallen asleep in a team meeting now i think the 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 anecdote the best or the the he it was a position player meeting right it was not a meeting he was leading it was something he was kind of sitting in on um but that had leaked out into social media and had been uh you know tweeted about and and obviously twitter was different at the time but it was still kind of a you know a place of snark so of course that tweet caught fire and got aggregated in a bunch of different blogs and um so it was you know a a thing that was known about in the football office and you know charlie weiss stood up at a uh in front of the players and said hey you know i know and i'm paraphrasing i was in the room obviously but according to you know people we talked to he basically said you know i'm not a big twitter guy i don't really care about that too much but like if anybody wants to go out and kind of stand up for me, you know, I'd really appreciate it. You know, more or less those, 
you know, I, I don't exactly know the exact words, but I'm paraphrasing. But um, and the the way the story ends was that essentially no players did. <laughs> so um, you know, it was just those kind of things. You know, I I think, and it's not just all of the stories that may seem like, oh, what what a disaster it was. But if you can kind of sketch together you know, a big picture look at all of these different moves and decisions and why it didn't work. Maybe there's something to be learned about that uh, going into the future. He is Rustin Dodd. Check out that piece and all of his great work in the athletics. Certainly worth the uh, price of subscription. Rustin, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day and hopping on today. Oh, thanks so much. All right, that was Rustin Dodd of The Athletic. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back to Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We are brought to you by T-Mobile. T-Mobile expanded their nationwide 5G network to now cover over 80% of Americans. And in just a few years, it could be up to 99% of Americans. Switch today to T-Mobile and receive an iPhone 13. Uh, By the way, a little note for tomorrow. We were originally scheduled to have KU baseball at 5.50 with the game at 6 o'clock, but the game got moved up to 3 o'clock. So uh, if you want, you can listen to that game through the KU Athletics website and their lean player, but we will not be carrying the game anymore with it being moved up because we've got a show to do the day after the NFL draft. So. But we get, you're making a deal with us. If you listen to that game live on KU Athletics, you need to listen to the podcast of RCST. Yeah, there you go. You have to. And if you don't, We'll find you. Yeah, we're keeping marks on this thing. Okay, um, we didn't get a chance again, like during the 4 o'clock hours. It kind of messed with our programming, but for a good reason. For RCST Trivia, which we have more of today with five matchups, including the most hated man in the trivia field in Nick Schwert. Um, But chance to get to Around the World with Adam wasn't had yesterday, so now we get to Around the World with Adam. All right, uh, we're going to start off at New York. This isn't necessarily a weird news story, but one that I think will be appreciated for folks around here, um, specifically our friend Laura Fernie, uh, who is the pride of Wamego, Kansas. Um, it's one of the most recognizable outfits in American movie history. It was just found after being lost for years and years. Uh, what is it? Um, so it's recognizable from movie history. I'm trying to think what items it could be. Could it be like a rope from... Think about our friend Laura. Oh. Oh, it's from Omega. Okay, of course. It's, it's something with the Wizard of Oz. Is it uh-huh. the shoes? It is the dress. Oh, the dress, okay. The Dorothy wore in the classic 1939 movie, Independence I was Day. I going to say a rope from Indiana Jones before No, that. no. For decades, one of the versions of the dress Garland wore in the movie was assumed lost at a Catholic University of America where it had been given to someone in the drama department in the early 1970s, but cleaning out of office clutter last year led to the finding of the dress in an old shoebox, and now it's headed for the auction block. How much so, do you think that thing is going to go for? Does it say on here? Uh, There's no speculation on how much it might go for, no. Um, it was determined that, that the particular dress, I mean, because they had multiple ones. I mean, she wore the same dress. But they had multiple, of course, dresses made over the course of the shooting. Okay, um, I, I found I found a separate story that has an estimated price. It determined that Garland wore it in the movie in the scene where she is confronted in a castle by the Wicked Witch of the West. Go ahead. Okay, um, take a guess. You always make me guess with these stories. 
So you take a guess. How much is this thing going for on auction? There are the estimated value. 2.3 million. No, it's uh you should invest in it then. The uh, 800,000 to 1.2 million. I can't invest in that. <laughs> if we combine buy a piece, we will uh sell stake in Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get it done. All right, we're going to start off with the uh sillier side of around the world with Adam. We're going to start in Pennsylvania. I thought um, we just started. Well, the sillier. I said the sillier side. Well, I thought we started before that, though. No, we didn't start with the sillier side. Before. Okay, okay. There's nothing silly about a Wizard of Oz. Huh? It's got flying monkeys. It's a very, in it. serious very serious movie. Very serious movie. Um. Anyway, Derek. <laughs> uh, we're starting in uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania Highway was closed for several hours Wednesday morning when an overturned tractor trailer. Spilled its load of 40,000 pounds of what? This would be a dream come true. A beer. Uh, you're close. Chicken nuggets. Police said the truck driver mm. lost control of the vehicle at about 6.30 a.m. Wednesday, and the vehicle overturned in the southbound lanes of Route 39 near West Rock Hill Township in Bucks County. On a side note, Bucks County is where the film uh, Signs by M. Night, Sham- M. Night okay. Shyamalan took place. The truck, which had been carrying 40,000 pounds of chicken nuggets, spilled its contents into the roadway and shoulder area of the highway. The driver was not injured. How about that? So That's, that's a lot of First nuggets. First of all, nobody was injured. But yeah, um, are they frozen, though? I'm assuming they're frozen, so it's not like you can just stop by and just eat them. Well, certainly not. You know, you'd have to cook them first. Mm-hmm. But I, still, free nuggets. Well, if they are free. I, uh, so my dad... Had a guy at work, or I don't know, maybe I, I might be confusing stories. I, I could have sworn this was the case where a beer truck, the same thing happened with a beer truck. Yum. And it was like they had all these kegs, and it was like, hey, we're just, we're going to lose them. So, you know, people just come by and pick them up. And one of the guys is just like, hey, I, I need off work today. I'm taking a sick day. <laughs> so he just like went and just filled up a bunch of, you know, gallons with beer and went home and good for him. Had a good time. I have some friends who, uh, they, uh, there was, um, I don't know exactly if it was a wreck or if the train just happened to be stopped, but somehow uh, this train car, this cargo train, one of its boxes happened to be carrying buckets, buckets and buckets and buckets of tokens like you see at arcades. Yeah. And they took heaps. They took tons. And they happened to fit into the machines at a local arcade. Um and it was, I mean, months before they got caught illicitly using these, because uh, they kept showing up, and one guy who worked there every day kept noticing, these guys keep showing up with tons of tokens for our, our arcade, and I've never once seen them actually buy any. <laughs> and then they got caught and never I to return that. from that uh, arcade, to, never to return to that arcade again. All right, we're moving on to uh, Washington. I'm not going to be able to pronounce the name of this town. This is from the Associated Press. The state of Washington. A woman, um, she uh, got. She was trying to reach for her cell phone. She dropped her cell phone, and uh, in reaching for it, got stuck somewhere, and attempting to retrieve it, it had to be rescued by firefighters. Where was she? Well, see, we've all had the thing where your cell phone falls down the side of the seat, and you, you're like trying to get it out, and you can't, or your arm like almost gets stuck. So. I don't know. Did her arm just like get stuck in the side of her car? Accidentally dropped her cell phone into the hole of an outhouse in a national oh, forest no. and fell in while trying to retrieve. 
had to be rescued by firefighters in Washington State. Brennan Fire Department Chief Tim Manley said the woman who was at the top of Mount Walker, on top of Mount Walker, <sighs> all covered in, never mind. Oh, God. In the Olympic National Forest northwest of Seattle, had been using the phone when it fell into the toilet on Tuesday, the Kitsap Sun reported. Manley said she disassembled the toilet seat and used dog leashes to try to get the phone and eventually used the leashes to tie herself off as she reached for it. That effort failed and she fell into the toilet head no. first. They didn't work very well and she went in, said Manley. The woman was alone and head tried to get first. out for 10 to 15 minutes. Reunited with her phone, she called 911. Responding firefighters passed her blocks to stand on to reach a harness. <laughs> Which they used hey, Doug, to pull her out. Believe the call I have right now. Out of the vault, the Brennan Fire Department said the woman, like the truck driver hauling the chicken nuggets, was uninjured. She was washed down and hmm. strongly encouraged to seek medical attention yeah. after being exposed to the things she was exposed to in the outhouse. But she, she just wanted to leave. I assume she just wanted to go and home and take one of those showers would, that burn yeah. your skin off. That would be an hour-long shower. With, with the hottest water. Yes. Like, you would get blisters Use on your skin. Three bars of, sho- uh, of soap and a whole bottle of body wash. Oh, that's... that's oh. Uh, Tim Manley, the uh, fire chief. I've been doing this for four year, 40 years, and this is... You know, you take the job, you want to help people, and I'm, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. I bet a lot of firemen have this kind of idea... Or maybe, I don't know, people. I guess there's this concept of rescuing the damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, uh, we all get, like, the movie Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Gaston, who is, an, uh, you know, a, a horse's ass, thinks, yeah. he's, thinks he's rescuing the... the thinks dam- he's a good guy. Yeah, he's thinks a bad he's, guy. exactly. Thinks yeah. he's rescuing the damsel in distress. When, in fact, Belle is, uh, is um, as she put it, not a prize to be won. But still, every you know, I think a lot of people have that that fantasy. The day I'm going to rescue the damsel in distress, they'll fall magically in love and have this beautiful. Oh, he saved my life! How did you meet? He lifted me out of a porta john, in which I had dropped my phone. And okay, no, see that if 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 you like pulled and the damsel in distress thing, and she was like, "You're my hero, take me on a date." No, and he was like, he was like, "Yes." And that guy has problems. You know what I mean? <laughs> Bathe first. Right. And then we'll talk about it. Bathe and spend six months just covering yourself in Purell. I just, I hope, I don't hope, like, like, I, what I hope is that woman, like, has pictures, like, I don't know, maybe she has a kid and she doesn't have the iCloud backup or something. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't have cl- cloud memory backup, data backup. So, like, maybe there are just precious photos of that on that phone of like her child that aren't backed up onto a cloud save so she needs is like it, even then I don't want to say is it worth it cuz like like you don't know what's got to your point what if it's not backed up and they're like you know people it's go a, through a lot of crap for their kids a deceased family member or something you know so like if that's the case I just feel bad and like honestly this becomes a story of how bad do you want it? You bad. Know? Apparently this woman wanted it bad. You, you ever seen that I forget the guy's name Eric uh Eric something and yeah, uh, yeah, that guy. Um, he's the guy who who does like motivational speeches and he goes around like college to college and his videos with him. And the uh, the guy he played uh, ball at Tennessee. No, no, that's somebody else. That's somebody I know who you're talking about. Okay. That, uh, yeah, lost his arm. That, yeah, lost. No, his arm. It's, it's a different guy. And, and he's known for the speech about he gets into um, 
you know, this one guy told him, hey, if you want to be successful, meet me on the street or meet me on the, the beach. And the guy um, comes to meet him on the beach and he comes in like a full suit and um, he says, all right, if you want to be successful, come meet me out in the ocean. And he starts getting into the ocean. The guy's wearing like full suit, starts walking in the ocean. He's like, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I'm getting my ocean stuff all, all, you know, wet and stuff. And um, he just keeps slowly bringing him out there. And the guy's just like, what am I doing? Eventually, he's in the water. And eventually, the guy starts to like fake drown him. Or something. I might be messing up this story. And the guy comes up for air. And he goes, see that? How bad you wanted to breathe? When you want to be successful as bad as you wanted to breathe, yeah. give me a call. And it's something along the lines of the stories. Again, I probably butchered that. Um, but that guy, I, like, I don't know. I I just lost my train of thought. I get it. But, I, no, I, I understand like, the metaphor. Just the idea of basically when, when wanting wanna, it that when, bad. When you want to overcome. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. That's where I was going. Falling into feces. Yeah. The new version of that is... When you want something so bad, you're willing to dive headfirst into a porta potty. Yeah. Then come see me. You think her phone carrier is T-Mobile movement? Hey. hey All right, we're gonna finish thing off at number uh, two mobile. In, yeah, there you go. Uh, number two G. T-Mobile. Um, uh, Coco, Florida, from the Associated Press. This woman uh, should have gotten in contact with the chicken nuggets guy. A woman has been arrested months after threatening to blow up her son's high school. Why? Uh, I mean, there's no good reason. Correct. This is probably something really stupid. This is probably Keep a, in mind, we're, we're doing this for the sake of ridiculousness. Yeah, uh, because she, her son... Did you say son? Yeah. Her son got like a C on a test. Unless cafeteria workers started giving him more food, officials said. No way. He's hungry, Derek. The kid, he's a growing boy. The threat was left February 3rd in a voicemail to Coco High School on Florida's Atlantic Coast. I've been there. They have a Ron John surf shop. Mm. According to police and court records, the 41-year-old woman was arrested on Wednesday and charged with making a false bomb threat and disruption of a school. She did not leave her name on the voicemail, but the school's caller ID recorded <laughs> the number and an arrest report said staff members at the school listened to the message the next morning and contacted the police. Uh, the school was evacuated, but no weapons or explosive devices were found. Investigators located the woman's phone number and school records. Resource officer confirmed that her child had gotten into an argument February 3rd with the cafeteria worker because he wow. wanted more food. Can you imagine Oliver Twist's mom calling up the orphanage? Which he wouldn't be in an orphanage if he had a mom. Yeah. That's how bad the mom is. Yeah, please, sir. I want some more. You can't have any more. Well, my mom's going to blow this joint right. up. Gosh, dude. The, the uh, state attorney's office filed paperwork ordering the woman's arrest on April 7th. Officials arrested her Wednesday. So, these kids are hungry, Derek. Imagine them being that stupid, though, that you, you call know, someone and say, I'm going to blow you, you up. If you could have just, um, if you asked her now, like, hey, lady, you could have made this, and now you're going to jail uh, for a false bomb threat and disrupting school. Would you instead drive to Pennsylvania for a bunch of free chicken nuggets to feed your kid? Sounds like she'd have to. Yeah. Well, now instead, she's going to be, uh, I don't know. There's something we can tie it together with, with the poop what story. If a, what if a story comes uh, comes out in like two years that a son threatens to blow up a jail because they're not giving his mom enough food? Or because the same, they're so unhappy the because they family. fell into a porta potty yeah, and their life too. is ruined.
All right, there. I figured that it out. Lady. We tied it all together. Oh, He is Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk. That is Around the World with Adam. We get on to more RCST trivia. Five matchups. That's right. Count them. Five. Coming up today, including our uh, controversial matchup with Nick Schwert in the second round coming up later on in the show. But we've got other matchups to get to before then. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Five matchups of RCST trivia today. The trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Easter State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Homefield Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChalk.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros. And our title sponsor, 23rd Street Brewery, where you can get dine-in, carry-out, and catering from their outdoor patio to enjoy the warm weather. Try the Bill Self Mac and Cheese, the Haney Turkey Stack, or any of the great menu items at 23rd Street Brewery. Our first matchup for today in the second round features a 10-seed Chris Conway versus a 15-seed in Garrett Nice. And Chris moved on by uh, a quick matchup. Just had to answer two questions right to get through here. Garrett, meanwhile, had to go four deep, and he is the lowest remaining seed in RCST trivia as the 15. Could he be this year's St. Peter's? Well, Chris is uh, in front of him here to try to avoid being, I guess, the Murray State in the second round. So, Chris, um, like I said, short matchup in the first go-around. Um, what did you take away from your first trivia performance of the year? Uh, I mean, obviously nice to just have it short and sweet. Um, you know, definitely, uh, I think probably got the better luck of the draw with the questions, but, uh, felt good. So, well, Garrett, like I said, you're the lowest seed remaining. Is that, does that give you extra motivation? Is that a chip on your shoulder? I guess I'm playing with uh, house money now, I guess, uh, I'm not going to be favored to win from here on out, so I got nothing to lose, right? Yeah, that's a that's a good way of looking at it. Um, it's it's all cherry on top um, from here. So uh, once again, rules are exact same. Only thing we're going to start in the easy category. I'll let you know when you got about ten seconds. We'll play our ticking noise when you got about five. To this point, you guys have both accumulated a twenty-five dollar gift card from Twenty Third Street Brewery. And an RCST Trivia t-shirt, if either you wins, you move on to the Sizzling 16, and you receive a $25 gift card, another one, to the 23rd Street Brewery, because every round you advance, that's another $25 gift card to the brewery, a $10 gift card to Hawaiian Bros, thanks to Kirk Geeser State Farm, where you can eat up that Huli, Huli chicken or whatever you like, thanks to Kirk Geeser State Farm, who can help you out with any insurance needs or financial advice, give Kurt and his team a call or email today. $20 gift card to CBD of Lawrence, your pharmacist-owned and operated CBD shop, now located at 4821 West 6th Street next to Big Biscuit, and a voucher for a free sandwich plus a free breakfast sandwich at McDonald's in Lawrence, Topeka, Atchison, Bonner Springs, Shawnee Mission Parkway, and Hilltop, Shawnee, and Leavenworth. Download the McDonald's app today. Okay, so we're going to hit the music here as we get into our first matchup between the 10-seed Chris and the 15-seed Garrett. And Garrett, you are the lower seed, so you have the option. Would you rather go first or go second? I'll go first again. All right. That means Chris is up second and into the easy category we go for you, Garrett. Name a year that Kansas won a national championship. Let's go with 2022. Yeah, that's the one that's fresh, 2022. All right. 
This one to you, Chris. Name another year that Kansas won a national championship. 2008. Yep, 08. Would have also accepted 88, 52. I would have accepted the Helms titles as well in 22 and 23. All right, on to the medium round. Garrett, back to you. Who led Kansas with 19.4 points per game in the 2018-2019 season in which they fell in the second round? I'm going to go with uh, Diedrich Lawson. Yep, Diedrich had quite the season, but uh, just didn't have the team success around him. Okay, on to you, Chris. Who led Kansas with 17.8 points per game in the 2003 to 2004 season in which they fell in the Elite Eight to Georgia Tech? Oh, shoot. Wayne Simeon. That is right. Big dub, Wayne Simeon. The correct answer there helped lead KU to an Elite Eight. That was Bill Self's first season. Okay, on to the hard round of questions as we pick up the mood, add a little intensity to the music. Back to you, Garrett. The 1996-1997 Kansas Jayhawks were one of the best team at KU, only losing twice all season. What was the lowest they ever got in the AP poll that year? I'm going to go with third. Correct answer is second. They were first or second in the AP poll all year. They lost just one game. It came to Missouri, and they just dropped to number two, and uh, they found their way in the top two from then on through the end of the season before losing to Arizona, but no AP poll comes out after the tournament. Okay, on to you, Chris. Chance to uh, move on to the sizzling 16. Between Bill Self's two national championship years, so 2008 and 2022, how many weeks was KU ranked number one in the AP poll? So between 08 and 22, just how many total? Yeah, so 07, 08 season and 21, 22 season combined. Hmm. Ten seconds. I'll go with 32. Correct answer is zero. Amazingly enough, KU was never ranked first in the AP poll in either the 08 season or the 2022 season. Again, AP poll doesn't come out after the I, tournament's over. So I listened to that wrong. I thought you meant in between the two. Like, okay. Um, that's what I was uh, thinking, too. I was like. I thought you meant. I was like, that's a lot of weeks. Golly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Should have clarified. Okay. All right. We're going to stick around the hard round. Back to you, Garrett. What Jayhawk guard led the team in steals per game for three consecutive seasons from 1995 to 1997 and was nicknamed Floor Burns? Jared Haas. Yep, Jared Haas. Good shooting guard. Let him in steals per game. And yeah, floor burns is what he was known for. Okay, on to you, Chris. Despite getting upset in the second round of the 1990 NCAA tournament, 
Kansas saw 15 points on five made threes off the bench from this player nicknamed Downtown What? before my time. Mm. I think Brian Haney added downtown Christian Brown this year, but this was the original downtown. Ten seconds. I don't even have a guess, to be completely honest. <sighs> Correct answer is Terry Brown. Downtown oh. Terry Brown, one of the best three-point shooters in KU basketball history. So, Chris, after I said the answer there, did you know who Terry Brown was? Is it one that just skipped your mind, or did you just have no I idea who he was? I was something with Brown. I just could not picture, put a first name with the last one. So, um, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't have gotten that one. Well, Garrett, would you have gotten the Terry Brown question correct? I... Would have just because I was looking through some records and stuff the other day, and I came across that name, and it and uh, he had some sort of three point record. I don't remember what it was exactly, but I'm like, hmm, Terry Brown. I, I honestly had not heard that name until I came across it just the other day. So I I would have guessed that, but um, that's a tough one though. But, yeah. Yep, downtown Terry Brown. Chris, would you have known the answer to the uh, Floor Burns one? Yes, because uh, I actually have that book. Um, mm. this floor burn book so uh, my dad or he used to have it so it uh, sat on my bedside for some some years when I was younger well, it just wasn't meant to be would have been fitting if you would have got that question then but uh, just unfortunate luck of the draw for you there well uh, Chris we appreciate you being in trivia for your second time and we hope to get you back for a third time next year Garrett Congrats! You are the Cinderella story moving on. And uh, would you would you like a word of encouragement for? I, I know you have a friend in this who's uh, going to be going later today in an eight seed, Matt Reuter, against our defending champ Eric. Yeah. Uh, good luck, Matt. Go get him. I've known him for a long time. Great friend of mine. So uh, yeah, wishing him all the best there. All right. Good job, guys. Appreciate it. Best of luck, Garrett. Thank you. That was our first trivia matchup of the day. Garrett moving on. He's the Cinderella, the lowest seed remaining. And he finds a way to win another one. Like I said, St. Peter's of the tournament. I mean, you could say Oral Roberts, they made the Sweet 16, and Florida Gulf Coast made the Sweet 16. Garrett making the Sizzling 16. So I guess right now he's on the tier with those. If he wins one more, then he becomes St. Peter's. And if he wins another one after that, then Cinderella's are going to start saying, I want to be Garrett. I want to be the Garrett Nice of the tournament. Um, but good job from both those guys. We've got our second matchup coming up in a 2-10 matchup between Tate and Brandon. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk Trivia. On FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, we are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Geyser State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Home Field Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChuck.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros. We'll be back after this. Second matchup of the day for RCST Trivia. We have a 2-10 matchup with Tate Voback and the 10 seed Brandon Robertson out of the South region. Winner of this will take on Justin Nichols in the Sizzling 16. More importantly, winner of this will get a voucher for a free sandwich and a voucher for a breakfast sandwich at McDonald's, a $20 gift card to CBD of Lawrence, a $10 gift card to Hawaiian Bros, thanks to Kirk Easter State Farm, and another $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery. So, um, Brandon, I'll start with you here. You won your first matchup in RCST Trivia. Uh, took it through the hard round to get that victory. It, how would you reflect on uh, that first-round victory, and uh, how have you gotten ready here for round number two? 
Uh, not going to lie, I was pretty nervous uh, for the first one. Uh, my great, biggest fear was going out on the really easy question. Uh, so I uh, was, was fortunate to, to you know, hit, the, hit the buzzer beater uh, to, to escape the first round. Uh, so hopefully, uh, hopefully it goes a little better this time, but I know Tate's a formidable competitor. Yeah, Tate has gone nine and two in his trivia history, thirty-two and three on questions. You were five and one in that first round. I mean, talk about getting pushed to the limit in two fifteen. And you mentioned this last week. That was the first time ever that you missed a question, but you still were not eliminated uh, in the round. You ended up coming back and uh, winning. And now, I mean, I, I know you try not to look ahead, but uh, the number one seed, the twenty twenty champion, out of your guys' region has been eliminated. Is, is that hard not to look ahead into the bracket and say that, oh, maybe things have broken open? Uh, yeah, except I'm a little disappointed because Isaac beat me in the 2020 championship, so I kind of wanted revenge, uh, but that's all right. And and like you said, Derek, uh, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good because last round I think I got a little bit lucky and had my opponent miss a question when I missed a question, but uh, sometimes that works out, so we'll see what happens today. All right, well, let's go ahead and cue the music as we get ready for this second-round matchup. And, uh, Brandon, you are the lower seed, so you have the option. Would you rather go first or go second? Uh, we'll stick with second. All right, Tate, that means you're up first into the easy round of questions. Tate, with 258 made shots, this KU wing and All-American led the Jayhawks this past season in total field goals made. That's got to be Ochai Gabaji. That's right. Ochai led the team in shots made. Not really a surprise there. Okay, Brandon, on to you. Leading Kansas in free throws made at 124 this past season was KU's main starting center. What's his name? Uh, David McCormick. Yep, Big Dave led him in free throw makes. And now we move on to the medium round of questions. Back to you, Tate. This slashing KU guard holds the school record for most career NCAA tournament free throw makes with 60 of them from 2002 to 2005. Who is he? If you're going to use the term slashing, I got to say Keith Lankford. That's right. Keith Lankford, one of the best slashers of the, uh, I guess, I don't know, Bill Self, Roy William, whatever. Uh, One of the best slashers in in KU history. And uh, who knows? Maybe he'll get his jersey retired one day. Okay, on to you, Brandon. In KU's 2004 NCAA tournament second round win over Pacific, this KU forward notched the team best 18 points and also a team high 12 rebounds. What's his name? Let's try Wayne Simeon. Yep, big dub. And the answer to a couple questions today. All right, we pick up the music, grab the intensity. Here for you, Tate. Who led the 1996 to 1997 Kansas Jayhawks in total three-pointers made with 73 of them? The 96-97 season? Correct. Between two guys, I'm going to go with what my first gut was and say Billy Thomas. Right, I'm guessing the other guy you were between him and Jared Haas, maybe. I was actually thinking Pierce. Okay. Well, uh, Billy Thomas was the correct answer. Made 73 of them. Okay, on to you, Brandon. 
also notching 73 in that same 1996 to 1997 season. What player led the Jayhawks in total blocks? Again, between two. Um, We'll go with the center and say Scott Pollard. Good call. Were you between Pollard and, and Rafe? Yes. And Pollard was the correct answer. So team leaders at 73 there. All right, now we get to the really intense stuff. Tate's on to the really hard round for the second straight time. And uh, back to you, Tate. What is the longest losing streak in Kansas basketball history? Uh, I assume you're looking for a, a number of games Correct. Here. Oh boy. Um, let's go with. Um, let's say five. I'll double it up. Ten. They did that in 1948. Fans would riot if they lost ten straight games. Remember when they lost three straight and the world was falling apart? Imagine ten. Gosh. All right, Brandon, here's your chance to pull the upset. What is the longest home court losing streak in Kansas basketball history? And again, need the number of games. This is a total guess. I'm going to pick four. A little more than double it up. The correct answer is nine games happened between 1961 and 1962. Imagine, I mean, Alan, you said three straight, you know, games in general. Imagine losing nine straight at Allen Fieldhouse. Torture. Okay, back to you, Tate. We'll stick in the really hard round for another one. What Kansas State player scored the first ever points in a basketball game played at Allen Fieldhouse? Oh, God. (laughs) I literally just looked this up this morning. Oh man. Um You need first and last name? Last name will work. I think I remember his first name, but I don't remember his last. I think uh Ten seconds. I think his I think his first name's Roger. Last name Roger Evans. I don't know. You had the first name. You did. It was Roger Kraft. Yeah. All right, another chance for you here, Brandon. What KU player scored the first Jayhawk points in a game at Allen Fieldhouse? Ten seconds. This one, I do need the full name. I couldn't even offer a guess. Uh, It is Lou Johnson. Lou Johnson was the answer there to that one. All right, we're going to scoot back to the hard round, try to get you guys some uh, positive points here. Back to you, Tate. What three seed did Kansas beat 83-80 to in the Sweet 16 of the 1996 NCAA tournament? Behind 20 points from Paul Pierce. 1996. 
I believe that was Arizona. Yep. One of my all-time favorites. KU was down, I think, 25-12 to 12 early in that game and came back to have a lead by halftime. And then Arizona got their sweet revenge the next season. You'd have to trade them if you could, right? You would yeah. Trade those yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, all right, back to you, Brandon. Who did Kansas lose to in the 1993 Final Four despite 19 points from Rex Walters and Adonis Jordan? North Carolina. Yep. Uh, there we go. You guys are back on your winning Donald ways. Donald Williams for North Carolina between that and the title game could not miss. Mm. Okay, back to the really hard to you, Tate. Officially adopted in 1986, what KU player would hit the school's first ever three-pointer at Allen Fieldhouse in a game against Tennessee Martin on November 29th, 1986? 86. Um... few names come to mind let's go let's go with kellogg kevin pritchard was the correct answer there all right another shot for you brandon when joel Embiid set the ku freshman record for field goal percentage whose previously held freshman record from 1987 did he break I saw this. Um, 87? Yep. Stupid Kevin Pritchard is throwing me off. 10 uh, seconds. Uh, uh, Geldner. Jeff Geldner. Nailed it. Jeff Geldner was the correct answer there. A good pull from you there, Brandon. Um, so, Tate. Wow, the one and two seed both going down. Two RCST trivia legends going down here in the second round. Um, Tate, I, I think the one that it's going to be most excruciating there has got to be the Roger Kraft one. You said you looked it up this morning. You knew the first name, but just couldn't come up with it. Um, is there any other questions that, that come to mind? And, and would you have known the answer to that last uh, Jeff Geldner one? No, no way. The only one... So the, the first points, the K-State, I knew the first name. And then Brandon's question, I knew the last name. I would have gotten the first name incorrect. Uh, no, those were really hard. I, I'm i not even mad. Like, I wasn't even in the ballpark for some of those. So props props to Brandon. He deserved it. So you're saying they belonged in the really hard category. Yeah. Yes, they definitely did. All right. Well, Brandon, you have acquitted yourself very nicely in your first edition of RCST Trivia. Tate was our runner-up a couple years ago, made the grade eight last year. Um, so to beat him in the second round is is no small task. And on top of it, you're getting uh, all those prizes for making the sizzling 16. So um, you said you were really nervous coming into your last matchup. You're making it through. At this point, you got to feel like you're playing with house money, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, can't, no, can't, no complaints. Well, congratulations, Brandon. I think we have a uh, new name to look out for in RCST Trivia. And Tate, sorry to end it a little bit shorter than uh, you would have liked, but we hope we get you back next year. I'll be back. Good luck, Brandon. I'm on your bandwagon now. Uh, if you face a guy named Nick uh, Schwert, Schwit, I don't know, whatever his name is in the uh, in the grade eight, you, you have to beat him. Will do. Okay, you know, I just realized something when, when Tate said that about facing potentially Nick Schwert and, and I don't know Nick, Nick's going later today against yep. Leslie so he might lose um 
the idea that, again, like Isaac won this event two years ago. He was the runner-up last year. Uh, Tate was the runner-up our first year, and he made the grade eight the year before. And he lost, I mean, to Andrew Wymore, who's really good in the grade eight. So, again, like, and and, and Brandon and Nick Duncan, who beat both those guys, are, are well-deserving. So, like, both those guys clearly can can go far in this tournament. But the idea that the bracket has broken open in the region that Nick Schwert occupies is only going to add to the storyline and the idea that this thing is rigged. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and not, I don't know yeah. what to do. I don't know what to do. Uh, uh, stop rigging it. I'm not doing anything, <laughs> I promise. All right, we got a 11-14 matchup next. Samuel Davis, Ryan Brown out of the West. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST Trivia on Rock Chalk Sports Talk and FM 1017-1320-KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Our next matchup is between the 11 seed Samuel Davis and the 14 seed Ryan Brown out of the West region. And the winner of this will move on to the Sizzling 16. You've already received a $25 gift card to the 23rd Street Brewery and an RCST Trivia t-shirt. You get another $25 gift card to the brewery, $10 to Hawaiian Bros, thanks to Kurt Geeser State Farm, $20 to CBD of Lawrence, and a voucher for a free sandwich and breakfast sandwich from McDonald's. So, uh, Ryan, you uh, are in your first trivia appearance of the year, and... You won your first matchup. It only took you two questions deep. You said going into the matchup that you didn't know how you'd do because you didn't feel like listening to some other questions. You felt that confident in your performance, but here you are in round two. So uh, do you almost feel like you're just kind of, uh, I guess, playing with house money today? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, especially listening to that matchup where they got into Ken Koenigs and Paul McKeskey. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely living on borrowed time. Well, it, you're picking stuff up, though, right? I mean, if you remember those names, you're learning stuff. So who knows? Maybe you could become a trivia power now. Well, uh, Sam, you're uh, more of a trivia veteran here. This is your third appearance, and um, you've made it to the, the second round before, but I don't believe you've made it on to the Sizzling 16. So uh, this would be a big achievement for you if you can get through. Is that serving as extra motivation today, and, and have you uh, – done any extra prep work because of it uh i was doing a lot of prep work leading up to the first matchup uh kind of been slacking i've been a little busier with other things going on lately but uh i'm just happy to be here to be honest with you and just enjoy this little thing that you guys put on every year so i'm i'm just happy i love that mindset thank you sam for having that mindset that is a wonderful uh way of thinking about things all right let's cue the music get into our matchup ryan you are the lower seat so you have the option would you rather go first or go second uh, let's go second again, please. Okay. Sam, you're up first into the easy round of questions without our really easy ones. KU has six Final Four MOPs all time. Name one. Ayabashi. Yep. Ochai won the most recent Final Four MOP. Ryan, besides Ochai Baji, KU has five other Final Four MOPs. Name one. Uh, Danny Manning. Yep. Danny, Mario Chalmers, Clyde Lavellet, B.H. Bourne, Will Chamberlain. Did we get them all? I think that's right. I believe that's all of them. All right, cool. On to the medium round of questions. Back to you, Sam. Kansas had four players average double figures 
in the 2018-2019 season. Just one was a freshman. Who was it? Eighteen, nineteen. 19 That Devon Dotson? Yes, it is. Devon Dotson, the correct answer. Okay, Ryan. What grad transfer led Kansas with 49 made threes in the COVID-shortened 2019-2020 season? Moss. Yep. Last name works, as long as it's not a generic one. Uh, Isaiah Moss. That seems like a low number, 49 to lead the way. I guess they didn't have tournament to add to it. Uh, yeah, but still, even then, that would be, right. I mean, the most they're getting nine more games, three in the Big 12 tournament, and if they go yeah. to the title game, six in the in the NCAA tournament. Like so. we had the question in our earlier matchup, Billy 73 Thomas. 73. And that was in the 90s. Yeah. You know? And that's weird. Anyway, okay, back to you, Sam, into the uh, hard round of questions. Kansas eked by Creighton 54, 55 to 54 in the 1974 Midwest Regional Semifinals behind a team high 18 points from what player whose son also played at Kansas? What was the year? Uh, the 1974 tournament, so it would have been the 73-74 season. Ten seconds. I know it's not right, and I know it's before his time, but the only person in the 70s I can think of is Valentine, so I'll just throw it out there. Now, the correct answer is Roger Morningstar. And again, the hint there, whose son played at KU, that would be Brady Morningstar, his son that later played. Okay, back to you, Orion. Chance to win it here. Nicknamed Pony, this KU sophomore led Kansas with 20 points in their 1984 NCAA tournament first-round victory. What's his name? Calvin Thompson. Yes, sir, Calvin Pony Thompson. So, Ryan, you I, I think you've undersold your abilities here. You're moving on to the Sizzling 16, your first appearance. Let me ask you, did you know the answer to the uh, Roger Morningstar question there from Sam? Um, I was either Morningstar or Carl Henry. All right. I think Ryan so, I think Ryan's sandbagging us a little think, bit here. Yeah, I think he's <laughs> I think we we've got well, a bit of a hustler. <laughs> I'm from KCK, so I'm gonna get Calvin Thompson. That was that was uh, a gift kind of. Yeah, well, we're excited to see Calvin in uh, about a month or so for the, uh, I guess it's more than that, for the uh, round ball classic. Yeah, a month and a half or so. Um, Sam, did you know the answer to the flip side one for who Pony was with, with Calvin Thompson? I did. I did. A little bit more recent, a little bit more familiar with the 80s. Yeah, that's that's an unfortunate one for you. Did you, uh, when I asked the question with the, the Roger Morningstar one, uh, what were you kind of caught up on? Because it didn't seem like the the part about the sun was something that you were kind of mostly focusing on. Just trying to run through players that came to mind from the 70s, really. Uh, and then going through a few of the guys that did I knew had uh, fathers that played, you know, prior to then. And Morningstar just was not one that came to mind. Yeah, well, that's a tough one for you, but like you said earlier, we appreciate you having having you around, and hopefully you 
Appreciate it being part of this thing, and we hope we get you back next year as well. Ryan, congratulations. We've got a uh, 15 in the sizzling 16 from earlier today, now a 14. You guys are uh, the two big Cinderella stories, so congrats. Thank you very much. All right, so Mr. Brown moves on to take on the Board of Education in the next <laughs> round. <laughs> Who are you taking? No, um, I, I, uh, I don't know. I... I feel like he was sandbagging us. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing intentionally. I think he's just over. You think he was just nervous? I think he's just overly humble. I don't know. Why would you? I I I guess I don't know why a person would do that, but maybe that's his game. Who well, knows, I mean, yeah. Man? There's no. It's not like we're playing pool where he can sandbag us and be like, all right, now let's bet fifty dollars I mean, on the next. Seating game. is based on how often you've been in this thing, right? Which he so, hadn't been yeah, before, so exactly. it wouldn't matter. So he knew, you know, based on that, you knew he would have been. He would have been a lower seed. Even if he came in and said, oh, my God, I'm the greatest you'll ever have in this tournament, mm -hmm. it still would have been, well, it's your first year and you joined at a certain time, so you're a 14 seed. So we don't do it based on. Um, so, hey, good for him, though. Good he's, for him. He's on to the sizzling 16. and, and Yet to miss a question, too. 50 bucks in, uh, in 23rd Street Brewery gift cards richer and amongst other things. Well, congrats to him. We are going to take a time out here before we get to our next trivia matchup. We are once again brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kurt Geeser State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Home Field Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChalk.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320, KLWN. Depend on it. Another trivia matchup. This time our one seed, Eric Hansey. One seed's one and one so far in the second round. And the eight seed, Matt Reuter, out of the Midwest region. Winner of this takes on Ryan Goodwin in the Sizzling 16. And also for making it to the Sizzling 16, in addition to a $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery and a trivia t-shirt that you guys have already gotten, you get another $25 to the brewery, $10 to Hawaiian Bros, thanks to Kirk Geeser State Farm, $20 to CBD of Lawrence, and a voucher for free sandwich and breakfast sandwich to McDonald's. So, Matt, you and your first matchup had to go seven questions deep, eventually won. It was more of a defensive battle there, but you found a way to survive and, and advance. Uh, what did you take away from that first matchup, and how have you gotten ready here for uh, round number two? Uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I'd rather be lucky than good, so sometimes it's just the matchup you get. So uh, I've tried to look over a few more things in the past week, but um, we'll see how it goes. Well, uh, we found out Garrett Nice, who's at the uh, – Bottom right corner of the bracket is a 15 seed, kind of a Cinderella in this tournament and uh, won his matchup earlier today that you guys are actually friends from uh, your hometown. Um, so is that at all a is something that you're looking forward to that you're you're hoping you two could uh, meet up potentially in the championship game? Yeah, I mean, that'd be that'd be ideal for us. Um, so. Yeah, we'd really look forward to that if we get that far. All right, well, Eric, you are the one seed and the defending champion in this tournament, and you're trying to make your third straight sizzling 16 here in this one. You were uh, pushed to a little bit of a test in your first-round matchup against the 16 seed that we didn't really know a lot about, and you had to go to the really hard round to uh, come away with that victory. Um, have you done anything extra in preparation to round two after being pushed to the limit there? Uh, always reviewing the jersey number. Those get blurrier and blurrier the older I get. Also trying to really get some of that older tournament history um, that predates my birth. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely done a little bit more research. 
Well, and uh, we, me and Adam talked about this, I forget it was yesterday, two days ago, uh, that, you know, people should wear their home or away jerseys. They should wear, you know, white colors or whatever, and, and we'll have jerseys for people. And Eric took that to heart. I appreciate this. Eric is wearing a white Kansas basketball jersey yeah, as the nothing, home team here. Nothing but easy questions for, <laughs> yeah, for right? Eric. Sorry, Matt. You're screwed here. Now, um, all right. Uh, so with that said, we're going to go ahead and get into our matchup. Uh, Matt, you are the lower seed, so you have the option. Would you rather go first or go second? I'll go first. All right. Matt first, Eric second. Into the easy category of questions for you, Matt. Who is the current radio play-by-play man for Kansas basketball? Brian Haney. Yep. B. Haney. Also a uh, the founder of RCST. Couldn't have gotten to RCST trivia without Brian. Okay, on to you, Eric. Prior to Brian Haney, who was the radio play-by-play man for KU basketball? Bob Davis. Yep, Bob Davis. Swish. Nailed that one. All right, on to the medium round. Back to you, Matt. What is the furthest that Rafe LaFrance ever made it in the NCAA tournament? Um, That's a good question. Let's see. I'm going to say Sweet 16. Made it to the uh, Elite Eight. That would have been his, what, sophomore year? Lost a heartbreaker to Syracuse. Uh, Kansas was a two. Syracuse was the four. Syracuse pulled it out. Eric, what's the furthest Frank Mason ever made it in the NCAA tournament? Oh, this pains me. But uh, Elite Eight. Yep. Adam uh, actually asked me the question yesterday off air. He said, if you could trade this year's title, 2022, to give that 2017 one, would you do it? And it's hard to say yes because we're in the moment living the title and it's hard to go back in time and, and realize how life would have been different and and realize the memories you would have made that you never did make. But I think my answer was yes, but uh, I don't I don't know. Anyway, that's, that's a topic for another day. Uh, Matt, so you fall short there in that one. Um, would you have known the answer to the Frank Mason one? Yep, for sure. So just unfortunate timing. Eric, did you know the answer to the Rafe LaFrance one? Yep. I uh, Billy Thomas kicking the ball out of bounds is here in my brain. Mm. Yeah. Yep. We had uh, we actually had a question about er, earlier in a, a trivia contest um, about uh, what team did that, um, that same KU team beat to get to the Elite Eight? Um, obviously, Arizona. And, um, so that was – KU does have one notable – Sweet 16 win over Arizona. They just have a more notable loss against him in the Sweet yeah. 16. That's all right. They have a notable Elite Eight win against him, yeah, too. It was I mean, a blast. Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, Matt, we appreciate you joining trivia this year and uh, hope to get you back next year. You got your first win under your belt. So that's always a good thing. Eric, back to the sizzling 16. I said this to Ryan Schlesner earlier, and uh, we'll calculate it once we have the full field set. But uh, the list of guys who have made the sizzling 16 in all three years now, I think it is you. Obviously, Ryan Schlesner and, oh gosh, maybe Chris Yurchek. I think that's it. So, I mean, that that's a very rare company with still some possibilities of some other guys. High praise. We'll take it. Yep. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And Eric, see you next week. Take care. That trivia matchup in the books between our one seed, Eric Hansey, and our eight seed, Matt Reuter. And Eric just, he's a machine, man. Keeps going on. Sizzling 16. I mean, he's the defending champ. He's got to be the the favorite, right? 
I mean, we've seen some really good performances, but when you're the defending champ, yeah, I mean, if you keep rolling, you're you know you're the champ till somebody knocks you off. Mm-hmm. Um, and on to the sizzling sixteen, he goes. I think he's got. If I'm reading the bracket right, he's got Ryan next up, doesn't he? Yep, Ryan Goodwin. That should be a good little one-five matchup. And you know, we had uh, Matt Tate on earlier this week, and um, he mentioned that he actually thinks that Ryan will revel in in the opportunity to to play a one seed. He thinks that will make him a better competitor because he likes to kind of play up to his competition there. So, do you happen to know Eric's um, age? <laughs> no, I don't. Well, the reason I ask is because the a lot of people, you know, a lot of any recent KU fan would know about Frank Mason uh, and how he the furthest he made was that um, two Elite Eight losses. Um, but then I, I I just wonder, you know, there there are certain KU fans my age and older that vividly remember that Syracuse loss in the Elite Eight, and it was really upsetting. Yeah, um, but no, we but had the a- other one is is. You may not like it's a it's a game that or it's a, a memory or a fact that I think a lot of people in this tournament would know at least the ones advancing far would know. Um, but then there's a generation that they may know the fact, but they don't necessarily remember the game. Right. Well, I uh, to your point on the Syracuse one. So Brian Rainey, who's a four seed in the West, he's going to be going tomorrow against uh, Aaron Mayer. And Brian last year made the sizzling sixteen and. Uh, I remember the the question that that got him by into the sizzling sixteen from the second round, the one that he got right. I don't remember the one that the other guy got wrong, but the one he got right was that Syracuse game, and he just knew it right away. And he was like, "That was such a you know low moment as a KU yeah, fan." They so like, scored eighty three. Um, that is kind of similar to the the Oregon game. Yeah, they scored eighty three on on Syracuse in the Sweet Sixteen and proceeded to score fifty seven against Syracuse in the Elite Eight. Um, that was, I remember the Arizona in the sweet 16. What did I say? You said Syracuse. Oh no, sorry. Yeah. They, Arizona, they put up, they put up 83 on Arizona in the sweet 16. Um, and then to Syracuse in the elite eight only scored 57. And I remember that, um, I have a memory of that, that game. I was staying the night at a friend's house and that game came on late. That game against Arizona came on kind of late and, um, Everybody there, there's like four of us staying over at my friend's house, and everybody had gone to bed except me. And so I was at a, fr- I wasn't even at my house. I was at a friend's house, and they were like, "All right, just keep the game on as late as you want. We're going to bed." So um, I got a little discouraged with KU down big early, and then uh, they came back. So um, I remember, I, I, I have fun. You know, everyone equates the the Arizona and the Sweet Sixteen to that '97 loss, and understandably so. It was a monster upset. Uh, but I still have good memories of that win in in um, in sixteen. It is in in the Sweet Sixteen of ninety six. It is upsetting though that on top of that, it was another good year. Um, being from Gardner, our uh, high school team won the four A state basketball ch- boys basketball championship that year too. So it's kind of a fun fun couple weeks. Um, but anyway. Um, yeah, that's uh, twice. KU beat has, you know, the two times KU, at least offhand that I can think of in the modern day, the Kansas has beaten Arizona in the NCAA tournament. They've eventually gone on to lose to Syracuse. So the moral of the story is if you play Arizona, hope you don't play Syracuse in the tournament. Yes. Or just avoid both altogether because yeah. uh, they've led to a lot of negative heartbreak. That would be, I mean, that's always one thing that when the tournament bracket comes out, like, it's funny because sometimes when you have teams that you've lost to in the past 
and you have them in front of you and you're like, all right, we're going to go on the revenge tour. And then it's like, it doesn't even end up happening because the tournament gets so funky. And also like none of the players on that team remember the the last time you lost them. But it anyway. felt like the, um, I actually remember that came up in 03. This is random. Kentucky was a one and Utah was either an eight or a nine, but they were in that pod with them. And that was 03, and people were like, oh, man, think back to 98. And and look, at that time, 98 was only five years prior. So there were fans certainly had remembered Utah losing to, to Kentucky in the in the 98 championship after being up 10 at halftime. But um, none of the players at Kentucky or, I mean, you know, Kentucky or Utah remembered that. But that was, the, oh, man, you know, the five years ago there was that. I'm like, There's nobody playing. There's nobody on the court that was on that court. I don't think so anyway, unless they were, you know, redshirted at one point. But I, w- I would be willing to guess that nobody was on the court in 03. Yeah, but. probably not. Uh, he's Adam Rivetta. I'm Derek Johnson. The, uh, two hours down, one to go. We have one more trivia matchup coming up for you at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. We're also going to be joined by Benny Failhaber, the head coach of Sporting KC2, uh, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour as well. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Fifth and final trivia matchup of the day, and we move closer to getting to our Sizzling 16 fully complete. And we've got one of the most talked about matchups so far. It's the 4-5 seed with Leslie Wilson, the 4, the 5 seed, Nick Schwert out of the South region. And the winner of this, the bracket is opened up. Isaac lost in the second round. So the winner of this gets to uh, play the 8 seed in the second round. But does that just mean that the 8 seed is is the new, uh, I guess, guy to beat in this region? I guess we'll find out, but... First things first, we can't get ahead of ourselves with this matchup here. So, Leslie, um, your husband, Ben, lost in the second round, and we were talking a little before you came on. Um, this is something where, I mean, you have a lot riding on this. It's, it's not just that you're representing the family name. You're trying to get to the first sizzling 16 that your family's had, but it's also there are a lot of people rooting for you to oust Nick here. Yeah, um, unfortunately, Ben couldn't get it done. So I feel like a little bit more, you know, pressure is on me, but hopefully I thrive in the pressure today. And yeah, I kind of feel like um, Nick is the the Duke of the tournament, right? Like everyone just wants to see him lose. Like they will cheer if he loses. Like maybe they're cheering for me, but they will cheer if Nick loses. So, you know, I hope I can get that done today. Yeah, and uh, Matt Llewellyn, of course, at 23rd Street Brewery, our title sponsor here, he uh, knows both you guys, and he told me earlier today, he said he is clearly <laughs> rooting for Leslie in this one. As he should. Thank you, Uncle Matt. <laughs> uh, so, Nick, how does it feel to know that everyone is rooting against you? Who are, who are these people? You just keep saying people are rooting against me. <laughs> who are they? I want to know names. I think literally people, everyone in the tournament. People who are punctual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? That's funny. So of not they me. Are. I am. Uh, I'm nothing without my haters. I love my fans, but the haters are the ones that motivate me. So it's great. You know, you, if you have haters, that means you're doing something right. So you know, it is what it is. Comes with the territory of being, you know, the godfather of RCST trivia. 
uh, self-proclaimed the godfather of RCST trivia. So it is what it is. I respect Leslie as a competitor. Obviously, I've seen uh, all of her matchups, at least up until this season. But I'll be honest, with Ben going down, I've also been talking to people, and I've heard a lot of people saying that the Wilsons missed their opportunity a season ago, and maybe they're a couple on the decline when it comes to the trivia circuit. So I guess we're about to find out. All right. Well, uh, no better words than that. So we're going to go ahead and get into our matchup. And, Nick, you are the lower seed, so you have the option. Would you rather go first or go second? Uh, I'll go first. All right. First up in the easy category of questions for you, Nick. What was David McCormick's O rating per college basketball reference in his 2018-2019 season? I need the exact decimal. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> what the hell is this? No, all right. The real question. The real question for you, Nick. <laughs> o rating? Give me a break. I'm about to cuss on air. All right. Real question. Who led Kansas in most three-pointers made with 103 this season, more than doubling up second place? Ochai Baji. Yep. Ochai led him in three-point makes. All right, on to you, Leslie. The crowd is behind you. The junior wing, this junior wing from Burlington, Kansas, led the Jayhawks in total minutes played this season. Christian Brown. Yep, Christian Brown. A lot of area guys on this uh, KU team. Okay, on to the medium round. Back to you, Nick. Prior to leading KU to a national title in 1952, this big man led the Jayhawks in the 1950 season, his first of varsity ball with nearly 22 points per game. Clyde Lavellet. Yep, Clyde Lavellet, one of the most accomplished, best players in KU basketball history. Okay, back to you, Leslie. Lavellet won Final Four MOP in 1952. Kansas lost the title the next year in 1953, but what individual brought home Final Four MOP anyway for KU's second straight? Uh, Wilt Chamberlain. Oh, Wilt dang it. did win Final Four MOP <laughs> in 1957. 1953 was oh B.H. Born. I was totally off. Did uh, you did you know the answer head. there of B.H. Born? Yeah, did you just kind of jump the gun on the Wilt one? I was jumping the gun. I was like, oh, yeah, we lost. Um, and I think I'm excited. Like, I actually have nerves right now, and I don't know why. <laughs> it's the pressure. You're trying to I do. I know why. Yeah, you're trying I to do the, trying to do the Lord's work and uh, <laughs> take out the villain of this tournament. Um, so, Dang Nick, it. you're moving on, and I know you and Isaac have had a lot of words for each other, but you're going around further than Isaac. So do you have any message? <laughs> Yeah, I guess uh, kick the feet up, take the shoes off, and just enjoy the rest of the show from the couch. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know what Isaac had to say about me. I was too busy winning to pay attention to any of the trash talk. you got to put the blinders on. You put the blinders on this time of the year, you, you block out the haters, and, and you just sort of survive in advance. That's what I'm doing. I, you know, I like to think, by the way, that, you know, you want to call me the Duke of this tournament. I think I have more of a Tiger Woods type vibe to me where – when people are in the final pairing with me, it's so intimidating to see the crowds and the galleries <laughs> gathering around that it kind of gets in your head a little bit. So what you're saying is you're on your way to Perkins right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the demise. This is the rise. Oh, okay. Well, he right. is in the All car, right. so he better be say, careful. You are in the car. If yeah. you're comparing yourself to Tiger Woods while right, driving. 
talk about fighting through adversity. I don't wow. even know if this is legal. <laughs> you know, I think we might have to do a dodgeball scenario. You know, where when in dodgeball, the movie, they, you know, uh, they go to the judges at the end and um, they have to get the two out of three thumbs <laughs> Chuck up. Chuck Norris. Do we have to get the group of judges? Because Nick was a couple minutes late he here. Was. Do we have to go back and see if he was past the point of no return? I don't know. Oh, of course. Just, just, yeah, just keep changing the rules. Find a way to eliminate me. It won't work, but, you know, valiant effort, guys. Well, Leslie... Good tournament appearance once again. Hope to get you back next year. I told this to Ben. You guys are going to make the sizzling 16. Just just keep keep pounding away at it. Nick, uh, I would say congratulations, but I, I don't. I feel like we shouldn't be rooting for you, and I don't think we are. So I guess Yeah, I don't job. want your empty sympathies. I'm just here to make friends. Screw you, too. <laughs> all, right. all my loyal following, I'm so sorry. <laughs> all right, that was, that was a fun one. But, dude, I'm telling you. Tough. This is people are going to start thinking this is rigged. The bracket is broken <laughs> open. The one and the two seed are out of Nick's region. And in addition now to that, now they're going to call and say you intentionally right that we like paid off Leslie. No, or again, she knew or, the answer to that, that question. You, she or just that jumped the gun. You intentionally gave her a, a quote more confusing one, which obviously you didn't. But uh, man, again, I don't she know. knew the answer to that question. Yeah. She just jumped the gun. So like. People are going to start thinking this is rigged. This is not good, Adam. The, the integrity of RCSD <laughs> trivia is being challenged at this very moment. And I don't know an end in sight. Is Nick going to make the phenomenal four? Is this like, I mean, Leslie made the comparison that he is Duke. Yeah. And I think more specifically, I don't even think it's just he is Duke. I think it's he is Coach K. Yeah, right? and it's fine, you know. And it, it, Exactly. And so Coach K did get the glory of making the final four, what for us would be the phenomenal four. Um, does that mean we're going to see that and then he's going to lose in that next round? I don't know. I don't know. Is his sworn enemy going to be in the in the come out of the other region? Well, and like it's one of those things where, and, and I, you could have said the same thing about Duke. If you would have guaranteed that Duke would have lost in the championship, you would have said, okay, that's almost a, a more funny ending. Yeah. Right? But you didn't want it to get there because you were like, oh, but that means they have a real chance at winning the title and I don't want to <laughs> risk that, right? That's almost the case with Nick. Like, if you could guarantee me he makes the championship but then loses in, like, horrifying fashion, that would be objectively funny, right? And and it would preserve the sanctity of this tournament. But I don't want to risk it. I don't want to have him one question away from winning the title. I just don't. It's Yeah, I mean, it's... it's uh, uh, You know what really kind of chaps my ass about this whole mm. thing? Is now he's gotten fifty bucks worth of worth of of twenty third twenty third street brewery gift cards, and that dude ate plenty of Bill Self mac and cheese <laughs> on Llewellyn's dime for years while he was sitting in your seat. It's like uh, you know in Breaking Bad, the when Jesse's like he can't keep getting away with it. <laughs> it's like, that's what's happening right now. And by the way, uh, one underlying story that I'm excited about: um, the battle of names. So, like, what, you know, we have conferences. I think the the version of conferences in RCST Trivia, since we don't have conferences yeah. like in the NCAA tournament, is names, right? So, which name will reign supreme? Is it Ryan or is yeah. it Nick? Because we have a battle of the Knicks in the Sizzling 16 now, Nick Duncan against Nick Schwert. We have a battle of Ryans in the West region, Ryan Brown versus Ryan Schlesner, and then we have another Ryan up in the Midwest region in Ryan Goodwin. I don't know. It's a lot of uh, uncreative parents, I guess, is more what I take away from that than anything. Well, does, um, you know, if Brian Rainey wins tomorrow, is that close enough? Is he in the conference with the Ryans, Brian Ryan? Brian and Ryan. Yeah. I mean, he's 
he's you know up there. I guess it would be like a north south sort of thing. Mm. Man, this is disappointing. <laughs> I thought today was the day we were going to get to you know that that's like I thought Texas Tech was going to beat Duke, and that next day was going to be hey we can uh, kind of stomp on Coach K here, and, and then, then he off, won, off and then it was like once he won that game, it was like oh run. no. They might win it all. Yeah. Gonzaga lost and stuff. And, like, Isaac was the Gonzaga. Uh, they might have been the best team over the course of the season, but they Couldn't had a uh, run-up, and now that's going to lead to, uh, again, Nick Duncan can very well beat Nick Schwert and uh, the Battle of the Knicks. Not in Nick Schwert's mind. Yeah, that's true. I don't think anyone can beat him <laughs> in his mind. Man, I I do. I mean, honestly, man, it, it is just funny to think about how many people are legitimately going to be griping about oh, yeah. <laughs> thinking this thing is rigged. Oh, 100%. Um, by the way, once again, all of our winners make it to the Sizzling 16. You get a voucher for a free sandwich and a free breakfast sandwich at McDonald's in Lawrence, Topeka, Atchison, Bonner Springs, Shawnee Mission Parkway, and Hilltop, Shawnee, and Leavenworth. So you get a free sausage McMuffin or a Big Mac or double quarter pounder, whatever you like. Uh, when life gets busy, make life happen. Download and order with the McDonald's app to link payment, save time, and earn free food right from your phone. You get a $20 gift card to CBD of Lawrence. Your pharmacist-owned and operated CBD shop now located at 4821 West 6th Street next to Big Biz- Big Biscuit. They have free shipping and a perks program featuring lots of new hemp-derived cannabinoid products as well as Delta 8 or Delta 9. A $10 gift card to Hawaiian Bros. Thanks to Kurt Geeser State Farm. You can eat up that delicious Huli Huli chicken with rice and mac salad. Thanks to Kurt Geeser State Farm, who can help you out with any insurance needs or financial advice. Give Kurt and his team a call or email today and see what he can do for you. And another $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery because every round you advance, you get another $25 gift card to the 23rd Street Brewery from the Bill Self Mac and Cheese to Crimson Fog or Wave the Wheat to wash it down. And uh, we went over this the other day. Let me go back through the other prizes that are coming up. So if you make the grade eight, you get a voucher for a free VIP car wash at Mr. D's Auto Wash. That's sweet. You get a t-shirt to Home Field Apparel. Me and Adam got our own t-shirts. They're and, slick. Uh, very comfy. You get $30 of credit to Jayhawk NFTs at rockchalk.io. A t- another $25 gift card to the brewery a for making the Phenomenal Four. Then you get a Phenomenal Four trophy. You get a uh, RCST engraved water bottle, really nice. You get a, another $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery. You get an automatic one seed into the following tournament. And you get, this is uh, kind of breaking news, we have officially secured some more RCST hats. Mm. And more importantly, they're not just the, so we had the RCST hats we gave away last year. I think that was for the grade eight members. And they're, they're cool-looking hats. They've got uh, the Adidas logo on one side. They're adjustable. Um, they're comfy. they got the RCST logo on the front. This year, we have those same hats, but with one addition. We have created, and, and if you've seen our bracket be released, um, then you might have seen this. We have created a Phenomenal Four logo. Yeah. You know how, like, the Final Four has different logos based on every year? Uh, thanks to Paul Chandler, who created our own Phenomenal Four logo. That is on the side of the hat. So if you make the Phenomenal Four, you're getting a Phenomenal Four RCST hat in addition to all those other things. Um, If you go to the championship game, another $25, 23rd Street Brewery, $30 extra to Jayhawk NFTs at rockchalk.io. If you win the third place game, another $25 to the brewery there. And then for the RCST Trivia Champion, lifetime entrance, you get the number one overall seed the next year. You get a championship trophy from Jayhawk Trophy, really cool looking trophy, another $25 to the brewery, and of course, that big screen TV. Thanks That's to so Matt Lum, the 23rd Street Brewery. I I, uh, I know, like, Eric already won. It'd be funny if we look back and, like, 
10 years and Eric has won like five he's of 10 loading up on TVs. and he just has his own like man cave yeah, with yeah, just like yeah. TVs everywhere from this event they're like man you must you must have a lot of money You're right like, what do you do for a living no yeah. I just just won, really good at I won all of trivia. these yeah uh, he's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson we're gonna take a time out when we come back we are going to talk to Sporting KC 2 head coach and Benny Failhaber former member of of Sporting KC, kind of recap what's gone on for them, what's ahead. They're playing at home over at Rock Chalk Park this Sunday. We're going to do a ticket giveaway tomorrow uh, via our social media at RCST1320, so be on the lookout for that. But uh, Benny Failhaber on the other side. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Joined once again by Benny Failhaber, the head coach for Sporting KC 2. And uh, last week, I know it wasn't really the result you guys wanted, the 4-1 defeat to Vancouver, but uh, were there some positives for you to take away from that match? Yeah, there definitely were. Um, we, you know, we tried to implement uh, a little bit of a different approach in terms of how definitely we wanted to defend without the ball. Um, what what opportunities we want to look for in the transition to the game, and the guy did a really good job in terms of applying the things that we, uh, you know, had kind of trained throughout the week and. We had, you know, a few chances early on in the game, and, and the game was, was going in the direction that we wanted it to. I thought, you know, being the road team, uh, not always the case that you can impose your will, but I thought that the game looked more like what we wanted it than, than they. And it was, you know, we, we got to get better at finishing chances. And so we, we had some chances. Uh, you know, we hit the crossbar. We had some other ones that were one pass away or a cleaner shot away from for putting it in the goal, but that's something that we got to continue to work on. And then, unfortunately, you know, set pieces again has been something that's plagued us for three games straight now, and, and, it, and it hurt us again. We give up a goal off of a, a pretty poor-taking corner, and, and then we fall asleep for the next 90 seconds, and we give up a second one, and the game is almost decided in basically, you know, a minute, a minute and a half. So it's really uh, disappointing from that perspective, but, but definitely some positive things that we can continue to take on throughout the season. Yeah, when you say, you know, kind of playing to our liking and playing to uh, kind of our way of play, what what specifically do you mean by that? What is your guys' ideal way of play? Look, we're still learning about ourselves, right? And so there's there's obvious principles that we want to make sure that the guys understand because it's, it's from top to bottom within the sporting organization that we want to be a team that is on the front foot, that's playing proactive, that's you know, actively trying to pursue the ball when we don't have it and then trying to play to our strengths when we do have it. Now, the first team and the second team have different types of players, different quality of players in, in certain positions. And so I try and, uh, as much as we're instilling those principles, try and, you know, fit the game plan to, to where our strengths are in terms of roster. And so what we were trying to do is we're, we're trying to high-press the other team um, similar to what the first team has done uh, at times, especially, you know, when I played on the team and, and sometimes uh, even this year and, and a couple of years back. And so trying to high-press the other team, cause them to make mistakes and then try and capitalize within the transition moments of the game. And when we do have the ball, we want to try and settle it and, and maintain possession and create those chances through the run of play and through a good movement and, and, and passing sequences. And so that's what I thought I saw a pretty good amount of in the first 20 minutes of the game, but things changed once you give up a goal and, and, and the game really um, shifted in that sense where now Vancouver felt comfortable being up two goals and being able to play to some of their strengths as well. 
<laughs> Mikey Lennis scored the goal for you guys in, in that last match. What do you like about his game and, and what he brings to the club? Hey, look, I thought he had a good performance. Um, there, you know, I, I think the reality is with some players that haven't gotten so many minutes, you have to be ready for the opportunity, right? And Mikey was, was, was given a start. Uh, based on the play that he had shown in training, but also based on some of the difficulties that we had with, with roster selection, with guys not being able to travel to Canada. And so for whatever reason, and this is one thing that I've told you know a lot of our young guys, you have to be ready for the opportunity. And when it's there, it can't, it can't be, you know, uh, oh, I didn't expect it or blame somebody else for a bad performance. you got to be ready to go and take the minutes that you're given. And Mikey was able to do that. I thought he had a really, really good first half. Um, he was on the front foot. He's, he's a guy that I think is motivated in, in terms of getting to the next level. Uh, and he's a, he's a quality player that has good stuff uh, in terms of with the ball, creating passing uh, sequences, uh, you know, getting into the attack when needed. Uh, I think he got, you know, a little bit lucky because it was probably a cross on a shot, but you got to get into those positions. And I think that's one thing that he found himself uh, in several times during the game. And, and obviously he gets uh, rewarded with a goal. Well, you mentioned maybe having some other guys on the roster, and uh, I'm totally going to mess up this name, so correct me when I say it wrong. But uh, with Aljaz Jankic uh, having the season-ending surgery for a torn ACL, um, I guess, first of all, what can you say about the future for him? And, and as far as the immediate impact, who do you kind of need to step up in, in his spot on the uh, back line? Yeah, look, Aljaz had been doing really well for us. You know, it was three games in. Um, but within training, you know, the six weeks of preseason plus uh, the beginning of the season, I thought he was really, really good. Um, I, I knew, obviously, of him um, from last year, but I hadn't really been around him as often as this season. And I thought he was off to a really good start. But, again, I, I've been with him for a very short time, so I don't want to, you know, say too much in terms of where his future lies and whatnot. But, look, I think for him, and I've talked to him since – you know, his injury and surgery, and, and, and so it's a process, right? You have to have your mindset uh, in the right place to make sure that you're able to get through. This is the worst part of sports, and to get through injuries and to get back on the field and finally feel confident again, um, it's it's difficult, and you don't have to go too far, you know, within my coaching staff with Ike to know, you know, what, what it takes mentally to – to not only get through it, but get through it stronger than you went into it. And so it'll be a long process for him, but, you know, I have a lot of expectations and hope for him once he does get back. And in terms of guys that are stepping up, I mean, obviously Cole's been a guy that uh, we, we stuck in that spot, and he's done very, very well. He's versatile. He can play as a right back. He can play as higher up the field, but uh, he's an athletic kid. Smart, uh, motivated, and I think he's done a pretty good job in that spot. So, uh, you know, the, the position is, like I've said to the guys, not only that position, but most positions on our, our team right now are still up for grabs. You know, nobody's locked down anything. I think guys have, have started to show what they're capable of. But every week it's, you know, battling for starting spots, and Cole so far has, has really earned that spot and done pretty well with it. Your next match is on Sunday, taking on Dallas. What is it that you're going to be looking for out of your team internally, and, and what are some ways that uh, make Dallas a challenging opponent? 
From our perspective, I think we're looking to do something similar to what we did this last game. You know, we want to try and impose our will. We've gotten no points at home, so that'll be a big challenge for us to kind of get over that mental hurdle. But we want to take the, the game to them. We want to make sure that we're proactive on the front foot, uh, you know, create issues for them when they are building out of the back and when they're trying to impose their game, which which is definitely a uh, possession-oriented game there. Um, and obviously, we got to be cleaner. I mean, we, we will, you know, emphasize that this week. We got to be cleaner when we do create those turnovers, when we're in those good positions of, uh, of scoring moments. Whether it's you know getting a shot on target, whether it's that last pass before the shot, having to be cleaner. Um, and the and I think that the the big challenge that they'll pose is they. I think they're a better team playing out of the back than Vancouver was, and so they. They, they know what they want to do. They're good at it, and it'll be, you know, a big challenge for us to make sure that we're uh, not only uh, on the front foot but also well-organized so that in case they do break the press every once in a while that we're not giving up big chances. Um, so those, those will be the, the big, you know, talking points this week. And the big one that we still haven't figured out is, is the defensive set pieces that we have to continue to work on. Is Benny Failhaber. Benny, before we let you go, I asked Ike, uh, I forget if it was last week or two weeks ago, if if you guys had one of you two or both of you guys had to play in a 90-minute soccer match right now, who would fare better? He said himself. Would you agree with that or disagree? Uh, I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no contest I, uh, there. We, we definitely, you know, have those those type of conversations in the office with banter, but I have no chance. Um, every time I, you know, try and even think about playing, all I got to do is step in maybe as a 5v2 and, and, and play a little bit, and I get tired enough in that. So there's no way I could play, and, and Ike still got, what, four or five years on me. So he's, he's definitely got that, you know, upper hand. If we, if, we need a, if, if we need another center back in there, maybe we can sign Well, Benny, I appreciate the time, as always, man, and uh, good luck this weekend. Thanks, man. I will talk to you soon. All right, that was Benny Failhaber, head coach for Sporting KC2. They're taking on Dallas on Sunday. We have tickets to give away. Go to our Twitter account, at RCST1320. Just be following our account. Retweet the tweet, and you're probably going to get some free tickets if you want to go on Sunday. It's a good time. Um, Cool environment. You get to see these guys who are going to be Sporting KC players next year. You can bring the kids and get autographs and stuff. So I uh, would highly recommend checking it out. Uh, this is Rock Truck Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson with Adam Dravetta. We'll be back after this timeout.